Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. Everyone has a story. Matt's life was good until his parents split. And after that, well, you could write a movie about what happened. Matt shares candidly. My teen years were fairly good. I mean, I I, I did grow up in a, in a stable family at first. My, my family would later split and that would cause a few dramas. But but I guess where it really started to, to where my life really started to take the wrong course was that I, I uh, you know, when my family split, I started you know, sort of trying, looking back, I realised I started to try and find a replacement father figure in my life. And, um, you know, I would put my, my, uh, you know, I would follow these very influential men. They were my surrogate uncles, if you will. And, uh, you know, some of these men had, had spent 30 years in prison, for example. And, um, you know, I, I found these men very charismatic. Um, society would deem them as very bad people, but I, I, I regarded them as quite charismatic and, and I just wanted a piece of that. So that's where that stemmed from. So you wanted a piece of it. So what did you do about it? So look, you know, I, I guess that would probably be been my main introduction into the world of drugs. Um, you know, it was, um, you know, looking back, it didn't take much at all. You know, a couple of hits and I was, I was hooked. Who introduced you? I, look, I do remember one incident which was actually at the end of school um, and I was on the Oval and, and there was a group of kids and we were all trying it. And, um, you know, I, it was the peer pressure thing and they'd said, Matty, have you done this before? And I was like, yeah, of course I have. And of course I hadn't. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to fit in and look cool. And it was, you know, I wouldn't do drugs again for some years later, but, but that was enough to set it off because looking back, you know, the two years later when, when, when that drug was reintroduced to me, I, in my head I said, oh, well, I've done this before. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll do it again. And so yeah. it really does stem back from the very first time. How was it introduced to you the second time? So the second time, uh, you know, the first time it was uh, it was snortable. So I snorted speed back then. The second time was up in Queensland, and uh, I was on the Gold Coast for this stage. And, uh, and a guy had said to me, "Maddie, uh, have you tried this before?" And I said, "What is it?" And he said, "Oh, it's just it's ice." And I said, "What's that?" And he said, "Well, it's just like it's speed. It's pretty much speed." And I thought to myself, "Oh, well, I've done that before." He he we lot, we he lit it up, and um, yeah, it was once I once I did that. I mean, I remember being awake for three days and. And uh, instantly, I, I, you know, I enjoyed the feeling. You know, it was the uh, beginning of a very sad demise. Tell us what happened from there. So, mate, you know, those years on the Goldie, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I'd become a, you know, a, a very large drug dealer, um, and I was out of control. You know, and it was all, you know, looking back, it was all so much of it was all about just fueling my drug habit and, uh, and you know, and making money, and then, and then, you know, it just got out of control, and I'm running around people's places and kicking doors in and sticking guns in people's faces and, uh, you know, just doing some really nasty stuff, stuff that it was so far from where I was called to be. And d- did you do time? Mate, I ended up in prison up there. I ended up in prison for uh, well, extortion, which was, then, oh, sorry, it was dropped to demand money with menace, which is uh, just one under extortion. So I ended up in prison and, <clears throat> and I ended up in there and, and it was the first time, to be honest, that I'd been off drugs for such a long time. And uh, I didn't take drugs in prison because I knew better. Um, <clears throat> it's a very dangerous game to get involved in the drug game in prison. And, and I, so I steered away from it. And I actually probably had the first big gap of, you know, clarity that I'd had in a long time. What? How long? How long were you doing that before you went to prison? So I'd, I'd been on the drugs by that stage for probably about seven years straight. So it was seven years of kicking doors in and guns and... Yeah, and absolutely. Were you in the bikey gang at that stage? No, mate. You know, I had, I had friends in many different clubs at that stage. And, um, yeah, no, I wasn't involved in the club. I, I was, to be honest, I was probably more out of control before I joined the club. Right. Sounds a little crazy, but... Uh, How long were you in prison for? Oh, sorry, so I was in, in prison for six months. Right. Yeah. That seems like a short time. <laughs> Mate, 
say, considering what I've done in my life, it's a very short time. Yeah. Yeah, I've been very blessed, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but look, make no mistake, I didn't like prison. Prison is not a good place to be. It doesn't matter who you are, how tough you are, how, how well you can fight. It's a, it's a really crap place to be. Tell us one of the worst things that happened in there. Oh, mate, look, I'll, just, I'll tell you this. Look, going to prison is, uh, you know, it, it just sucks because, I mean, for me, it was just really... It was very high tense every day. Every day having to be always thinking, always aware, everything you say, you know, and aware of what everyone's doing because at any moment something can kick off and your life can be in danger. And, uh, you know, so you're really putting on this brave exterior like you're not phased, but on the inside, mate, make, make no mistake about it, you don't want to be there. And so for me, um, you know, for me, my, my downtime was was at night when my cell was closed and I knew I was okay, you know what I mean? But during the day, it was just quite tense and, and just really having to look like you're not not feeling fear, you're not feeling anxious. But, of course, on the inside, all, all that's taken place. Wow. What did you do when you came out? Mate, when I came out, I knew then I, I didn't want to go back to prison, but, I, you know, I was still a drug addict. So I ended up, uh, you know, applying to transfer over to Western Australia, my my uh, with corrective services that uh, you know I still had parole and all those sorts of things, and it's a big deal to get it transferred. But it took me some months, and eventually I got it transferred. And um, you know the whole plan was to go to Western Australia and, and uh, have a new start. And um, you know I'd organise a job in the mines and all these sorts of stuff. And it was all about getting away from the drugs and, and a new fresh start. Anyway, I'd, when I got over to Western Australia, um, you know uh, the person that I'd moved over there with. Uh, was was smoking ice and uh, straight away said, Matty, do you want one? And I, was, I said, well, of course I do, you know, but uh, I was just straight back into it. And suddenly I'm in a new state with, uh, you know, a state full of vulnerable people and, a, and, a, and a, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the dollar signs and the possibilities and uh, within no time at all, mate, I was, I was selling drugs and, and very large amounts of drugs. And, uh, you know, it, it just began again. Oh, wow. And what was the, did the lifestyle of guns and kicking doors in and all that start again? Oh, absolutely, straight back to it. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and then it was only a matter of time before I would, you know, make friends with the with the local bikey gang over there and, and um, well, bikey club, I should say. And, uh, you know, it was only then a matter of time after that that I would end up joining the club and, and, and become a patch member. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was out of control. And I, I was, uh, you know, with, with that obviously comes a lot more notoriety and a lot more fear from people. And um, I, I guess I played on that, you know what I mean? I really did play on that, and I used that to my advantage, and I used that to, you know, extort people and uh, do all sorts of horrible things to people. Like what? Oh, you know, take cars off them, take take their possessions and, uh, yeah, rob them from whatever, you know, take money off them, extort them for money, all, all sorts of horrible things. And um, my life had just become this one out-of-control um like a pit that I just kept trying to fill. It was like this horrible, endless pit that I was trying to fill with sex, with money, with notoriety, with pats on the back, with all these horrible things that are so ego-based. And I was trying to fill this big void in my life, and I didn't know what it was. But the more I had, and I mean, I had plenty at some stages, but the more I had, the more I wanted. It was just a never-ending pit. You couldn't fill it, mate, if you tried. Yeah. And I realised today that that pit that was missing in my life it was it was a relationship with God because I can tell you, mate, I, I, I can tell you right now without a doubt, all of that stuff has been erased. I mean, I, it means nothing to me anymore, absolutely nothing. I, I am content and complete. 
because I am in relationship with God. That's a bit of Matt's story, a life that became out of control after his parents split. And today he is a completely different person. If you need help with addictions of any kind, then contact your local Salvos or call 13 Salvos. Light and Life, the Salvos weekly radio show.